Hello, this is Joy Gilfellan, host of I Change Justice podcast, and our guest today is a woman by the name of Annie Lonardelli, mm-hmm. and she is going to be speaking with us about compassionate compassion and why it's so important in the 21st century, and specifically why it's so important in 2023, since we've gone through so much trauma over the past several years. So welcome to the call, Annie. Tell us who you are. Well, I'm just Annie. I'm I have done some work in interfaith ministry. I've written a couple books. I've done some teaching. And I'm just a, a, a heart full of concern for the sorrows of the world. And especially in these very difficult times. And I'm so grateful to you, Joy, for asking me into this conversation. And I love conversations that really matter. And I'm hoping that that's what we will have today in our time together. So So thank thank you so much, Annie. I know that the thing that caught my attention, you were referred to me by another friend of mine who has been a dear friend of yours for many years. And when I called you to ask you about it, one of the things you said very humbly was, I don't know that I can help any, but my passion is. And I said, so what is your passion? And and you said to me at the time, and it really struck me, is you're not here to, to talk about how the solution to everything is just love, because it's not about that. It's actually compassion. Compassion is what moves people into action, not just loving people. So talk to us about the difference here between love and compassion. Well, I, you know, I, I love love too. Sure, you know? What's not to love about love? But <laughs> and, and then it's such a complicated subject, of course, and we have such limited language when it comes to even discussing a topic like love. But uh, the main the main thing is that love can be sometimes sentimental, sometimes romantic, and compassion is not that. One of the biggest surprises to me about my own study of compassion was how fierce it is, what a source of energy it is, and how it has this um, almost mysterious quality of resilience. It's just, it's, it's just magical, really. Well, I hope we'll get into some of that a little bit more. It's many, many different things. It's, uh, it expresses in so many different ways. And I think I think if we could really get to the core of what this is, it could make a huge difference in how we solve our problems, how we see one another, how we create enemies, how we make a stand for what we are for rather than just for what we are forget against. And I talk be- some more about that because that's very fascinating that you talked about com- compassion as being very fierce. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, <laughs> we'll get to that. I'll, I tell you, that was one of my biggest misperceptions uh, because what happened was that back in 2001, my husband and I started this organization. It was called Unity Center for Peace. Mm-hmm. And we started it as a result, as an action step for peace as a result of 9 11. And so I decided that I wanted to understand what I was doing. You know, you get involved in a movement, you like to know why you're doing it, what really is motivating you, because I wanted to be accountable. I wanted to stand in integrity with this subject. And so I did what I think all activists should spend some time doing, which is a values clarification exercise. Really get into the values that are driving you. It's so important. So I sat down with my little patient 
paper and pencil and I did some exercises and I came up with what were my core values. Well, one of them was peace and one of them was compassion. And then I decided we ne I needed a personal mission statement about what that meant. Not a big, long lecture, not some lofty kind of um, bunch of words, but short and concise, no more than four, four to six words. I came up with, this is who I am here to be. I am here to teach uh, peace, teaching peace, and inspiring compassion. Wow, I said, that sounds pretty good. But what does that mean? And so then I decided to commit to a study of what that meant. And I studied a lot of peace principles. And I found so much I didn't understand didn't know before, for instance, that peace really isn't the absence of conflict at all. It's how we stand in conflict, the kind of resourcefulness that we bring to conflict. That is peace. Because conflict isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's a source of energy. It's energy arising that that is a, that signals change that tells us something needs to happen here it's something we have to learn as peacemakers and peacekeepers to be able to stand in so and in, in that way we really have to know ourselves really well and what triggers us and how to do that and then I <laughs> turned to this business of compassion and I began to study that and I realized I don't know what I what that is I mean I've never really been taught what that is it's just like oh it's weak, it's sentimental, it's soft, and holy mackerel, that is not what it, it is all, <laughs> all. It is a fierce, committed, powerful energy for change, for the best for human beings, for the best for all beings. It matters. It's what drives us. And it is so different, so different, Joy, from empathy. We must know the, the distinction uh, between these two, because empathy is is that, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. I have nothing against empathy either, because it's that energy of feeling with. Well, feeling empathy is with. essential before you can even get into compassion. How can you know compassion if you don't have empathy? I mean, it's almost like these are intermingled and intersecting and interlocking and interconnecting terms that mm -hmm. when they're harnessed and go a direction... Are, that's what creates that fierceness. That's what creates the power to move move worlds around you. Well, I think that's true, uh, Joy. Empathy uh, is a good starting place. Yeah. The, pro the problem with empathy is what it leads to burnout. And this is what we see. This is what one of the reasons we see so much callousness in the medical field. They they're they're fried. They're burnt out. Their empathy has turned against them. So what I'm advocating is something that will take us beyond being burned out and into being burned up, burned up as, you know, yeah. burned up with light and 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 acting as a as a lighthouse for people as they're trying to get through these times. But we have to know the distinction between suffering with yes. and and how to get into this more energetic field of compassion. And for that, we have to have wisdom. Now, wisdom is a, is an important component here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I wish I could have made it more simple for you, Joy. But it's, no, it's perfect. Wisdom. 
because wisdom is what will help us self-regulate in this difficult difficult time and with the fierceness of this energy that can just sweep us up and blow us away we we need wisdom so that we can understand the conditions involved see the layers of involved it's not just about the enemy it's the conditions that created this conflict right it's the conditions that we have to address the system you're always talking about the systems the systems the, the condition that created these systems Absolutely. So what you're talking about actually is empathy is critical when you temper it with wisdom and you temper it with purpose, then you can can pull. It's like this big martial arts movement yes. <laughs> pulling compassion That's into action. That's very true. That's very true. And wisdom allows us, in fact, insists upon healthy boundaries. Now, that's hard for us to hear sometimes because we want to give it all. And I understand that. I like to do that myself. But so, we have so before before you go into talking about that, because that's another shift. Let's take a break and let's let let people understand what you just said about empathy <laughs> and compassion into action. Close. Make a statement about that. And let people absorb it for just a minute. Right. The big change we want to make is how to move from empathy, from that feel-good state of uh, uh, really warm and smumpy love and empathy of feeling with somebody's pain into a higher state of energy, into wisdom, which will take us into resilience and compassion and action. Awesome. Let's take a break right here. We'll be back in a few minutes with Annie. All right. Lonardelli. That's a that's a tough word, but Annie Lonardelli, she's an author. And when she comes back, she's going to give us a couple names of a couple books, and then we're going to go into the wisdom conversation. If you are a business owner or professional who wishes to sponsor our restorative community coalition, give a legacy gift to the Restore Life Center project, or support our fundraising events, feel free to contact us at sponsors at therestorativecommunity.org. Welcome back, Annie. And I know you want to talk about wisdom and putting compassionate action to work. Can you take a step back really quick and give me a couple of names of the books that you've written so that people can check you oh, out? Oh, okay. Let's see. Uh, well, the, the latest, let me just talk briefly about that one. The latest was What I've Learned While Falling, <laughs> <laughs> Finding Spiritual Ground When You Stop Believing. And uh, this this book, uh, uh, the premise of this book is how we deal with uh, how we how we hold our belief making consciousness to a higher standard. But I don't want to just take time to self promote here. We got a lot to talk That's about. Not, this is not about <laughs> self promoting. Okay, stop. This is one of the biggest problems we have with spiritual and energetic and compassionate healer. Tell us what you wanted to say in that book. That's a powerful book. It sounds awesome. Well, um, one of the things that inspired me, well, there's a lot of stuff here, but the, the thing about beliefs and how how we we are belief-making people, we just do, but beliefs are so limiting, and I learned this the hard way when I was a young college student, 
And I had all the answers, of course, and I knew everything there was to know about everything. And I decided to take a philosophy of religion class to set my uh, professor straight about a lot of things. And um, I went into that with knowing knowing it all. And the professor uh, uh, questioned me about my beliefs. And he said this, changed my life forever. He said, you have to be responsible for your beliefs. You have to be responsible for your beliefs. You have to consider the implications of what you believe. If you believe that only a certain number of people are the righteous ones, you have to take responsibility for that. You can't hide behind any kind of deity. You can't hide behind any kind of dogma or belief. It is your belief. And you have to say, it's okay with me then that those people are ignorant and fallen and sinful. And are going to go, you have to be the one and change my life forever. Wow, that's a question. Oh, it's a question. And I have, I, I am blown away, Joy, about how our beliefs are fashioning our world in such a limited way right now. And we're killing each other because of uh, just because of what we believe. And what is a belief? It's just a thought. It's just a thought on steroids. It has no substance. And yet we hold on to those so fiercely, we cannot get over ourselves. If we don't get over ourselves, we are never going to know the deep connection that we have with each other and the deep connection of compassion in this universe. I am telling you, this belief thing makes me crazy. I'm so glad to hear you talk about that because that is the root cause of so much of the trauma and the destruction. I mean, climate change goes clear back to the beliefs. Everything we do to each other, all of the all of the criminology, all of the drug addiction, all of the everything is going back to that root problem. And oh my gosh, that's eloquent. Well, it's something I'm fiercely committed to, obviously. And and I have this fantasy that one day, maybe it'll be on a Sunday morning, and you know, rather than just going to church, Sunday morning, like at maybe 11 o'clock, the church bells toll all over the land. And for that next 60 seconds, everyone on the planet will stop believing Stop believing whatever it is they believe. Just that. Just that little window of peace in the world. If we could just stop believing anything about the other, and we could turn to one another and really see each other without all those beliefs. Oh, my God. God, would be would that be heaven on earth? Wouldn't it be heaven on earth if we had just stopped believing for a few minutes? Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? Is there any chance that in that book you write that down as a possible practice for anybody <laughs> in any meeting, whether you're a preacher or a student or a teacher or a police officer, and say in the middle of the conflict. Let's take 60 seconds and stop believing what we believe about the other. And let's just breathe and then re- return. That is actually a peacekeeping interception choice. 
That's powerful, Annie. It's huge. <laughs> That's powerful. Now that goes. So let's take that back to your wisdom conversation. Cause I, when we spoke in the first section about compassionate mm -hmm. and fierce, you talked about wisdom. So it sounds to me like you took your questions, you took your queries, you took your deep inner work and you stopped believing what you were before you were going to be the next other. <laughs> That's a good way of saying it. <laughs> well done. Well done. Right. The wisdom. Right. The wisdom. We need the wisdom so that we don't waste our energies, Joy, on a lot of nonsense and a lot of nonsensical beliefs that pit us against one another. It takes wisdom to do that. It's, it's a heart of humility. That's the thing about wisdom. Wisdom is um, uh, a without humility there is no wisdom without no without humility there really is no compassion it's when we get these things clear we can finally move into compassion i have i i don't know if you're interested in this but i have a little story that kind of speaks to my own experience of compassion Please. Please. and it's okay it's one one that the dalai lama told and he talks about, he says, imagine that you're flying over the islands, and that's easy to imagine around our area in the Northwest. <laughs> and you're flying over the islands in a low, uh, uh, a little small aircraft over the, the sound, and you you can see what's going on, but it's foggy. And in, in the fog, there's some, pic, there's some pockets of light. And when you come to one of these clearings, you can see that there's someone down standing on a rock protruding out of the water and they're stranded and they're calling for help. And as you look down on them, you can see that if he could just turn a different direction, he'd see that land is just right, right there, right around the corner. In fact, there's a land bridge. He could walk across. It's so, it's so low. The water is so low. And you see this person down there and you want to help. And you feel that power of wanting to help, and it's coming up against your powerlessness to help. So they're both colliding with one another, and all this is arising in, in you. And you want so much to just point him in a different direction and just say, just turn a little bit and see, and you're waving, and you're, how can I get the message to him? And, you, and, you, and you're thinking, well, I could call, all these different things. All these different things come up, and and you, you feel it in the way that we feel all of that suffering for what's going on in the world that we can't reach, all of it. And and you want it with all your heart to for people to know, for that person down there to know what's possible, what's possible if you just look in a different direction. And you want it with all your heart and you don't care who that person is you don't care what they believe you don't care what their politics are you want it that bad it's an ache it's an ache when the mind sees the possibilities and the heart knows the possibilities and that's the way that compassion feels for me it's not a warm smumpy feeling <laughs> it's an ache because you can see the possibilities that are just there if people stop believing there isn't help, that no one cares, that there isn't a way that we can in 
handle our challenges. One of the biggest, most painful things that we experience in life is when our problems feel so overwhelming that we don't think we can get through it. That is a belief because we are stronger than we know, Joy. It has taken us... (laughs) 13.7 billion years to get us on that rock in the first place. We have been through every imaginable disaster and in the in the world, in the universe, we have been through volcanoes, we have been through earthquakes, we have been through floods. My God, we are strong, we are resilient, and we can believe in that. We can believe in the possibilities and we can Part of compassion is helping people believe in the possibilities. Absolutely. Don't you think so? I do. That is awesome. I mean, have you ever, and I know you do in your work, have you ever seen what is possible for someone for their greater good? Have you wanted it for them so much? You can feel it and envision it, and you you want it with a kind of longing that aches. That's what compassion is like for me, my dear. Not a warm, fuzzy thing at all. Yeah, and it is not weak. It is not not weak. And with that, let's take another quick break. It is not weak, but it is is offering people, offering each other a different point of view, a, a different action, a different choice, a different way free of our beliefs that there is no other way. There is other way. Absolutely clear. You are oh, so passionate. Take we need to take another quick break. And we'll take another back. break. Take another break, please. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we'll take another break and we'll be back because I know you've got a few more words of wisdom. Let's uh, do it. Are you a member of Patreon.com and enjoying our podcasts? As a patron, you can support the production of the I Change Justice podcast series. You can also support the Restorative Community Coalition, get our news, updates, and access to our digital training programs downloaded directly to your email address on a regular basis. Welcome back. Annie, do you have another book you want to talk about, or do you just want to talk about what you see with your Compassionate Action Plan in 2023? What's the potential that we have this year? to transform what we're doing. Well, the potential's always there. We're gonna have to get over ourselves. And I know that's hard. Um, We're gonna have to get over our um, self-righteousness. And I know it's highly addictive and I have worked with that myself. (laughs) But we can do it. We can do it because we have it in us. We're made that way. We really are made that way. And and, and it's highly mysterious. Uh, nobody really understands it all. There's a, so much research going on right now, Joy, about compassion. You, I'd like, uh, we'll get to that. But um, there there is a, a, a saying by the mythologist Joseph Campbell that has yeah. meant a lot, a lot uh, to me and, and a question that he raised. And, and he raises this question, what is it in us? that goes beyond ourselves to help another? What is it that will stop and will some stories, hundreds, thousands of stories of people going beyond their own concerns to save another? 
Mm-hmm. And there, there was a story just recently in the paper about this guy. That's uh, his name was, uh, I think it was George Eggers or something like that from Georgia, and he was on his way to work, and uh, he he saw this car stalled on the railroad track. And he could tell the train was coming. And so he stopped. He got out of the car. He didn't think about it. He just got out of the car. And he found that there was a woman and four children in that car. And he pulled each and every one of them out into safety. And the train hit just as he got the last child. And the car went flying. He went flying. He did get a, a, a broken leg out of the deal. And they asked him, what? What were you thinking? What were you doing? And he says, I wasn't thinking a thing. I was doing what I had to do. Doing what I had to do as a driving force within him. And this this is the thing that is within us, Joy. Mm-hmm. This driving force for the other. This individual did not have time to stop and think again about who who this other person was if not even if this person had an, an issue that had caused them you know that were they drinking i mean all the judgments immediately you get into about the driver what were they doing why weren't they none of that none of that judgment about what caused this but just right there in the moment i'm going to do what i have to do mm-hmm. It's that kind of thing that will save us for 2023, allowing ourselves to do what we have to do while also knowing what we can't do and and taking responsibility for what we can't and saying, I, you know, no, I can't do that. This is where I have to spend my energy right now. I can't take that on. When we can do that and get right with ourselves about that, of what we can't do as well as we can do with some healthy boundaries, we can make some positive changes. When we can let go of our beliefs about the other, when we can fortify ourselves with practices, I'm a very big advocate of compassion practices. Doesn't have to be fancy. Doesn't have to be fancy. But just as I have a short phrase for my mission statement, I have a short little phrase that I say to myself, constantly constantly when i go on a walk i'm saying it to everyone i encounter to the trees to the critters to the birds the people walking their dogs and you know what you fall in love with them joy but it's the kind of love that isn't romantic no it's not that soft thing it's a thing that opens your heart and you and i want it so much for that stranger that i see to be free of pete free of free of suffering free of suffering and the source the root cause of suffering and to know peace and the source of all peace it's it, it it's a driving prayer for my life and it's a simple practice that we can do every day but we this is another way that we feed our spirits this is another way we keep compassion alive in ourselves is to meet the stranger to meet the stranger and want it for them as much as you want it for yourself as much as you want it for your dearest one yes so is this a practice? I mean, is it a thing you say to yourself when you're traveling or is it a, a thing you emanate from your heart or is it a prayer that you send out through your ears like smoke? 
you know, what is this? Talk to me about what, what you're well, talking about when you're talking well, about practices. Oh, well, it's a little, little practice. It's a, it's, it comes actually from the Buddhist tradition, the uh, Bodhisattva vow, which is a, a, another long subject, but it's a beautiful, beautiful practice. And it's, um, it's called, um, Meta, M-E-T-T-A, or loving kindness practice, if if you were to look it up somewhere. And it's just uh, you, generally, uh, it, it's very important for us to start with ourselves. And I know this is hard. So uh, I turn to myself and I say, may I be at peace? May I be, may I be healthy? May I be happy? May I live with ease? Something that simple. When I say joy, I say, joy, may you be at peace. Say it silently. May you be happy. May you be healthy. And may you live with ease. And suddenly there's a connection between us when I see you and I want it for you as much as I want it for myself, as much as I want it for my sister and my dearest one. It's a, it's a way of deep connection, deep connection. It's a, a, a beautiful practice. I, I think it changed my life. So let me ask you a question because mm. the world of the I Change Justice podcast is talking about people who go into, who make a mistake and, or they, they mess up according to the civic systems, they break a law. Typically one of the things I've found is that people who end up in the mass incarceration industry as a general rule, mm many of them never intended to break a law or to cause a violent thing. And yet our system will, it, and many of these people are actually emotionally upset. They're traumatized. They're hurt. They're reacting and they end up making a mistake and then they pay for it for the rest of their lives. But there's a specific problem that happens in our legal and justice system that sets the person up who makes a mistake and causes harm to someone else. They set, they immediately take them away from the person who they harmed. They immediately put lot legal binds around them. They don't let each other talk to each other or often the person who caused the harm can't say, I'm sorry, because in our system, if you so much as say, I'm sorry, that means legally then that you're guilty automatically. It means law enforcement is going to, to take you away and, all these things start to happen that changes your, and one of the biggest things I learned from doing a study I did is that the people who come out of the system would say, when I said, what's the worst part of this whole thing? And it's amazing how many of them said, I never got to say, I'm sorry. Mm. I didn't intend to harm them. I didn't intend all this to happen, but I can't say I'm sorry. So there's like no forgiveness in the process. And we, pull people apart and then people are in conflict and then they feel bad. And there's this whole pattern. What is the practice that you could share with people to either be compassionate, to forgive themselves for this, to forgive the system for blocking them from being able to say it. And for the people who are in the system who are part of the process of traumatizing everybody, because that's what the law and justice system often does whether it's intentional or not, they think they're doing the right thing because we have beliefs that have been created by a system that people are acting on those beliefs. And then the whole thing becomes even more and more messy. Right. Is it, it, that's a big question. And you're asking me, you're asking for a lot. Yeah. I, 
I, I think that, um, well, actually, uh, not to promote my book again, but I think there, I've tried to offer some some help about forgiveness issues in my book, how to, how to really do forgiveness. We keep talking about what forgiveness is, but we don't tell you how to do it. Right. And I tried and I tried to outline some things that I think I've found helpful for how to do it. And also for self-forgiveness. Um, self-forgiveness um, really is so important. And we do need self-compassion for that. But again, because of our culture, the whole when I have tried to teach self-compassion, people, their eyes just glaze over because they think I'm talking about trying to uh, uh, make excuses for behavior, condone behavior. That's not what it is at all. Essentially, what self-compassion is, is, is a series of ways to just calm down our nervous system, uh-huh. just to calm down the ner- our nervous system and our bodies that is so highly reactive and in fear and in shame. And so this is an, a huge step in the work of self-compassion is learning how to do how to calm down our nervous system. There's some great works and polyvagal theory about how to do that. So at, that's the first step. And then to ask this the person, let's start with this young person who's gotten himself into a real mess. And to ask this person, what did you need in the moment that this happened that you didn't have? What was missing in the moment? That if you had had that, there would have been a different outcome. What was it you needed that was missing? Wow. That kind of changes everything, doesn't it? What was missing? It really does. It really does. And then this gets this gets a little painful. It's looking at that. What was missing? Well, what was missing was I didn't feel cared for, whatever. And then grieving that loss. Mm-hmm. Grieving that loss. And then this is a process. <laughs> it just doesn't happen in a few minutes in an interview like this. But grieving the loss of that deeply and knowing that it's hard when we're so deeply hurt to realize that others also have gone through similar experiences and have have had similar losses but when we come to that realization it lifts us up a little bit so that we recognize we're not alone that people all over the planet have been suffering these kinds of losses right it so actually opens the door. I found the word innocence come up. It's oh, like you're so innocent good. and naive and the grieving it's, of the loss of innocence is so really deep. significant. So significant. It's so important because that's a real thing. That is a mm-hmm. real thing to lose your innocence in that in such a violent way that mm-hmm. changes your life forever. So it's the loss of that. And then as you identify what was missing, you you understand a little bit more what you need, right? This is what I need. And how do I get that? And maybe I don't get that in the big burst of, of an, a stroke of uh, lightning that comes through, but probably I get it in little ways I may not have even noticed before. You know, you might, maybe you thought no one cared about you, but somebody opened the door for you when you were carrying that big box in. You know, there are countless little ways. that. So we have to attune our awareness not to look for the big 
Hollywood blow up of, you know, something that appears out of nowhere, but all the little ways that we are supported and we have been supported. Everyone who has been involved in creating everything that we consume every day, everyone, you know, if you look at the garment that you're wearing, the people who were involved in producing this thing all over the world, their stories, their humanities, all of it contributed to having something to wear on your back. You know, there are all these ways that we are held and and supported in the world, but we're totally unaware of. We're so limited in our point of view. We have to help people see that there is a way that we can get off of that rock. (laughs) That's so rough. We're all on it at some time in our life. Every one of us are on that rock sometime in our life, and we need someone to point it to us and say, hey, hey, over there. There are possibilities. There is potential here. And there it's- are always people and things and life and this earth that support us that we get. We Our belief systems of we have to go do this or we have to go do that or we have to live here or we have to believe this or we have to get all these have tos that are beliefs conditioned belief systems that that control our viewfinder if you will our point of view and what i just heard you say is that when you want to get really grounded in who you are as a compassionate human being it's helpful to take off your blinders it's helpful to take off your views of the other and your Absolutely. beliefs about them and your beliefs in separation and the, your beliefs in condemnation and your beliefs in being righteous. Wisdom comes when you can remove those. And I'd like you to repeat that 12, that um, question that you would have at the end of a, when the bell tolls. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'd like you to repeat that because that's an amazing awakening question. When the bell tolls. Yeah, uh, what what do you do in that one minute where where peace happens across the world? Because oh, suddenly oh, we drop our beliefs. Yeah, what would it be like not to believe anything right now? What would it just be like to be totally clear of any beliefs whatsoever about the other? Woo. Thank you, God. I love that. I just <laughs> well, that might be a New Year's resolution for some people <laughs> who are coming into twenty twenty three. Dealing with so much stress, trauma, and difficulty in a world that is under stress. Right. And know that there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good work on this this topic. It's not just me being a a blithering, (laughs) compassion freak. We're a a rock (laughs) flying through the universe. And on this rock, you're talking about what is it that we can think and what can we appreciate because... Somewhere in the universe, someone is spinning this rock through the universe, and it's going to... It could be. It could be. And um, there's um, all kinds of stuff. There's uh, at at the University of Madison, Wisconsin, Dr. Richard Davidson. He's been doing uh, research in the neuroscience of compassion for many, many years. Lots of material there for, for what's going on in our brain when we access that compassionate state. There's a Center for Compassion and Altruistic Behavior at, and Education at Stanford University. This is not just woo-woo, friends. And then there's this absolute beautiful project called the Ro- Roots of Empathy. Do you know this project? It's from Ontario, 
Canada, uh, Mary Gordon. She works with children, teaching children uh, compassion as an antidote to uh, bullying in schools. She teaches them how to, she brings infants into the classroom and teaches ch young children how to read uh, their emotional signals so uh, that they can understand things like fear and they see it in the baby. Oh, the baby looks afraid or restless right now. And they're building this capacity for empathy. It's it's changing the it's changing people's lives and perception. There is a lot of good work. And Paul Gilbert, he's one of my heroes from the UK with his Compassionate Mind Foundation, doing all this work in psychotherapy with the, using compassionate principles. It goes on and on and on. And as addicted as we are to the bad news, I keep telling people, okay, you listen to that bad news all you want. All I ask is, and no one's ever taken me up on this, by the way, just saying, is that you take as much time as as you spend listening to the bad news as you do do listening to your inspirational news, your educational news, your things that will lift you up and help you live a better life and help you help your each other. Could we do that? No. Well, just saying, it's just an idea. Spend, <laughs> send as much time building resilience instead of what burns you, uh, lifts you up and stuff instead of what burns you out. And put yourself on fire. Oh, yeah. What a brilliant <laughs> download of knowledge you've brought to us today. These resources at the back here are worth so much to anybody who's wanting to create change in the world. Do you have a couple of last thoughts that you want to say before we close? And can you give your phone number or email address or something so that people who might tell them what they can how they can access you. Like, is there more? Or do you just have to go to the bookstore and buy your books or what? Well, it's always nice to have, for people to buy my books. It's even better when they read them. And <laughs> I love it when they think about them and talk about them and discuss them with each other because uh, these the lessons that I share are ones that are a uh, hard one. I didn't uh, come to these easily. And I really think that they can be helpful for people. And um, it's uh, through the struggle of my own uh, personal loss and what I learned from it, which which I felt was most important. And that's the big question is what really matters? What really matters? Get absolutely clear about that. What really matters? Because a lot that we're fussing around with, we doesn't really matter and wastes our time. We cannot waste our time. There's too much to be done right now. And I absolutely advocate some some form of a compassion practice. You know, look up loving kindness meditation. Look up meta, M-E-T-T-A. Find some way to nurture yourself and the world with the beautiful, beautiful teachings of compassion that have been around for generations and are just beginning to flourish in their Western consciousness. I'm so grateful for all of that. Thank you, Joy. So please, typical of a person who is so compassionate and in action <laughs> to other people, you did yep. not give me your email address or phone number or what people can do if oh, they wanted yeah, to connect yeah, yeah. with you. Okay, Annie, A-N-N-I-E, at spiritedwords.com. That's it. Annie at spiritedwords.com. And your I book, your primary book that you want to talk about? is um, this lovely little book, What I Learned While Falling, Finding Spiritual Ground When You Stop Believing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Annie, for coming on the call. And readers, I highly recommend it. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. Okay, thank you. 
Thank you all for listening. Please share our podcast with your friends and family. Subscribe at Spotify, iTunes, or from your favorite playlists. At therestorativecommunity.org, you're invited to subscribe to our newsletter, connect through social media, or send us feedback on our shows. If you're inclined to help, you can volunteer, donate, learn more, and connect at info at therestorativecommunity.org. Contributing helps us empower those silenced by oppression so they can emerge into their higher potential. Thank you.